Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. I'm so glad you are here today. I hope you got a worship guide when you came in. Flip it over the back side, if you will, to follow along with me today. If you got a Bible, turn to John chapter 14. If you got a smartphone or a smart device, you can go there on there as well. We are wrapping up today our series that we have called Red Letter Words. And we've been looking uh, throughout the New Testament of some of the most important words that Jesus spoke and how they apply to each one of our lives. And today we're in John chapter 14 and we are going to see what Jesus' words were on heaven. And I'm excited to share that message with you uh, today. Well, one day in children's church, some, uh, the, the teacher that was leading the children's church was trying to get across to the kids uh, about heaven and what it took to get into heaven. And so he was teaching them and then he started asking them questions. And he, he asked the first question, he said this. He said, if I were to sell everything that I have in my house, sell my house, sell my car, sell everything that I have, take all the money and give it to the church, would that get me into heaven? And all the boys and girls thought, and then they said, no, that won't get you into heaven. He said, well, let me ask you this. What if I went over to the church every single day and I cleaned the church and I vacuumed the carpet and I cut the grass and I even cleaned the toilets in the bathrooms at church? Would that get me into heaven? And all the kids said, no, that won't get you into heaven. And he said, well, let me ask you this. What if I was nice to, and did things for the poor and I gave candy to little children and I was really, really specially sweet to my wife? Would that get me into heaven? And all the kids said, no, that won't get you into heaven. He said, well, then what does it take to get into heaven? And one little boy in the back of the room raised his hand and he yelled out. He said, you've got to be dead to get into heaven. <laughs> well, he was right, but there's more to it than that, just being dead. Pew Research did a poll a while back and asked adults in North America about heaven. It was really, really interesting. Almost 80% of the adults that they talked to said they believed that there was a real actual place called heaven. 70% of the people that they polled said they think that they're going to be there someday. And the interesting thing to me is 30% of the people said they know somebody that's not going to be there in heaven. Now, if you'd see one of those people in church, don't point at them. That's not very nice. But it was a really interesting poll that was taken. Let me ask you a question. How many of you sitting in this room, you would say, Randy, I'm a planner. I'm a planner. I like to plan things in advance. And that's me. I'm going to go and raise my hand. Raise your hand all the way up. I want to see who are my planners in here. I like to plan. I've got things on my calendar all the way into next year, man. I'm, I'm a planner. I like to know what's coming next. I don't like to be surprised by things. I, I'm a planner. How many of you would say, um, I'm just the opposite. I like to play it by ear. I like to be spontaneous. I just kind of like to be surprised in life. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> 
I, I've got to know what's coming next. I, I got to be planned. I got to, I got to have everything planned out. In September, uh, my wife and I are having an anniversary, and so we are going to Niagara Falls, and I'm super excited to take her there. But uh, I've already bought plane tickets. I've got a rental car. I know exactly where we're staying. I've started looking into places where we're going to eat while we're there. I've got everything planned out because I, I want to know exactly what we're going to do. Now, the frustrating thing for me is in just the few weeks that I've had my tickets for the, the airline tickets, the airline has already changed them two times in the short amount of time. Now that's, that's frustrating the stew out of me as a planner. Um, also because uh, the, I won't say, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about the airline Delta that publicly this morning, but they have changed over and over and you got to wait seven, eight, nine hours on the phone to get them to, to answer the phone. But that's not what I'm talking about this morning. But I, I, I like to, to know what's coming. I like, I, I'm a planner. I don't like things changed on me. I like to know what's coming next. About seven years ago, uh, I took my son on a special trip that just he and I went on. And we went up the East Coast. And actually, we went to six different baseball, Major League Baseball stadiums in seven days. It was a really, really cool trip. We had a lot of fun together. But before I left, Tim Daniels said to me, he said, Randy, there's, a, there's something you need to do. Since you're going to be in a different city every night, there's an app that you can get on your phone to help you get really good deals on hotel rooms. And uh, if you will wait until the afternoon of each day, you can get a really, really good deal on a hotel that night. I said, there's no way in the world I can wait till the afternoon of each day. I can't, I can't do that. I got to know when I leave my house where I'm staying every single night uh, on a trip. He said, just trust me. Just do it. Put the app on your phone. Now, I will say this. I put the app on my phone. I did it. He was right. But I was, it drove me absolutely crazy for a week, not knowing what was coming next, not knowing where I was going to be and where I was going to stay. Now, I feel the exact same way about the afterlife. I want to know what's coming next. I don't want to just wing it. I don't want to be surprised by what happens after I die. And, and here's something that I found. When you have knowledge, listen to this. When you have knowledge and confidence about the future, it changes the way that you live and you act today. When you have knowledge and confidence in the future, it changes the way that you live and you act today. So here's the good news for us this morning. Not only does Jesus tell us what heaven is like, Jesus tells us how we can get there. And that brings great comfort and peace and confidence to me this morning. The author of the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament wrote this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse number 11. It says, he, speaking of God, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. God has placed in the human heart the sense of eternity. Now, now what does that mean? It simply means this, that every man and every woman has an innate sense inside of them from God that there's, there's something more than this. There, there's something more than just what I can see. There's something more than what I can just, just feel and, and hear. There's, there's got to be more than just this life. God's placed that inside of our hearts. Now, think about it this way. 
There's a picture coming up behind the screen on me. This is planet Earth, okay? Every single one of us, this, this is where you are right now, okay? If you didn't know that, I've got some other stuff I can teach you later on. But this is where you are right now. We're all right here on planet Earth. This is where you are. This is where I am. We're all on this big ball that's spinning around. We're all here. We, we at least all in agreement about that. Shake your head. Okay, we're all here. Let me ask you this question. How many of you are originally from the state of Tennessee? You were born here. Uh, you didn't have to be raised here, but you were, you're originally from Tennessee. I am. I was born right here in Chattanooga Memorial Hospital. Keep your hands up. I want to know where all my Chattanooga and all my Tennessee people are. Okay, great. How many of you were born someplace else? You weren't born in the state of Tennessee. You were born someplace else. All right. Now, there's some of you, you didn't raise your hand either time, so you're not even really sure where you are right now. <laughs> we're right here on planet Earth, Okay. All right, some of you catch up just in a second. We're all right here on planet Earth. But there's going to come a day, there's going to come a moment for every single one of us, regardless of where we were born, where we will take our last breath. You'll take your last breath, I'll take my last breath, and we will move from this planet out of our body to someplace else. And what will happen, you'll die, and somebody will take your body, and they will embalm it, and they'll put it into the ground. But the Bible says the true you, the, the, the real you, your spirit or your soul, is going to pass on into eternity forever and forever and forever. So the question that we ask is, well, what happens after that? What happens after my soul, my real me, who I am, after it leaves my body, then what happens after that? What's, what's waiting for me in the, in the afterlife? Now, I, I don't, I'm a planner, so I don't want to just wait and see and hope and hope it all works out. I, I want to know and I want to see what happens. And so let's go right straight to the source of God's word and let's see what Jesus has to say and what his promises are about heaven. John chapter 14 Jesus is speaking to his followers. He's speaking to his disciples. And he says, hey, guys, let me tell you something. Verse number one, do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, the next few verses here in this passage are really the heart of the message. They're the heart of what Jesus has to say about heaven. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And then Thomas jumps in. You remember Downing Thomas, the guy that said, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Thomas says, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. So how do we know the way? And then Jesus speaks probably the most well-known, if not some of the most well-known words in all of scripture very straightforward, very, in my opinion, very easy to understand, but also some words that a lot of people have pushback on. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. Now there's some of you already, you're going, come on, man. I'm, I'm young. I'm, I'm still in my twenties. I'm a teenager afterlife i'd even thought about that i'm young i'm healthy i got my whole life ahead of me i'm i'll worry about the afterlife later on but but i'm, I'm not really thinking about that right now not long ago i googled the uh the mortality rate on the planet i, I assume it's still the same today as it was back then but the day that i googled it the mortality rate on the planet is 
100%. Every single person that's on the planet is eventually going to die. You don't get out of this life alive. Every single one of us is going to have to die. Here's an interesting thing that I read. Worldwide, every, th- or every second, three people pass from this life to the next. Every second. Every second, three people pass away. Not only that, worldwide, in the amount of time that we're in this room this morning during this service, 11,000 people will pass from this world to the next. Well, some of you are saying 11,000. How long are we going to be in here today? It's just 60 minutes, okay? Some of you aren't real quick with math. It's about 60 minutes. 11,000 people will step from this world into the next. Now, here's the thing. Not all of those people are old people. Not all of those people are sick people. Not all of those people are in the hospital or in nursing homes. A lot of those people are young people and people of all ages die every single day. Now, I realize this is a heavy subject. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you've placed your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ, death is just a doorway from this life into the next. It's the eternal life, life forever in God's presence. You might be saying, come on, Randy, talking about death, it stresses me out. I mean, come on, it's a Sunday morning, it's a holiday weekend. Let's not talk about death. That kind of stresses me out. Why do do we got to talk about death? Well, that's exactly why Jesus raised the subject in John chapter 14 with his disciples. They were stressed out. They were upset. They were anxious. They were stressed. And so Jesus says to them, Jesus says to a group of people that are stressed out, anxious, he says, don't let your hearts be what? You say the word out loud. Troubled. Jesus said, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus tells them what's getting ready to happen to them, to him. That's why they're all stressed and anxious. Jesus says, I'm going to die. As a matter of fact, I'm going to die. I'm going to be hung on a Roman cross. And they're going to take my dead body down and they're going to place me in a tomb and I'm going to be there for three days. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and through my heavenly father, I'm going to come back to life and I'm going to go to heaven and here's the promise i'm going to come back for you and for you and for you and for you and for you that's the promise i'm going to come back you believe in god believe also in me jesus said look again at verse two he said my father's house has many rooms if that were not so would i've told you that i'm going there to prepare a place for you I want you to see the the first promise that Jesus gives us here. It's on your notes. The first promise about scripture, about heaven is this. Heaven is an actual place. Heaven is an actual place. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a state of mind. It's not just in your dreams. It's not a place on earth. It's not your imagination. It's an actual place. Jesus says heaven is a concrete, actual, material place. The Greek word for place here that Jesus uses is topos. It's where we get the word topography from. And and it it means a a literal location, a physical place. Heaven's an actual place. It's, It's a real place. Now, the reason why that's so important and special to me is this. About a year ago this time, we were dealing with COVID. We're going through all of that. 
My, my grandfather, who lived in Florida at the time, was almost to his 101 birthday. He'd, he'd already passed 100, almost to 101. And he passed from this world, from this life into the next. Because of COVID and all the restrictions and all that, I wasn't able to attend his funeral. I wasn't able to go and be with my family during that time. But I know my grandfather is in heaven. He's in a real, physical, actual place. And I know that one day I will leave this world and I'll go to heaven and I'll get to see him again. And so that's why it's so important to me that heaven's not just part of my imagination. It's not just something we dream up and we think about. No, it's a real, actual place where we'll see our loved ones again. There's a promise in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 8. The apostle Paul talks about those who are followers of Jesus and he describes what happens after we die. And he says, absent from the body, they are present with the Lord. When we leave our body, those of us that are followers of Jesus, we're in heaven, a physical, actual place. Now that's a a comfort to me this morning. And I hope for those of you, and I know there's people sitting in this room this morning, that in this last year, you've lost loved ones. You've had people step out of this world into the next to know. I hope there's a comfort to you to know they're in a real, physical, actual place called heaven. You can see them again. In John chapter 11, a woman came to Jesus and she was brokenhearted. Her brother Lazarus had died. She tells Jesus what had happened. And you know what Jesus did? He cried. Jesus cried because of the temporary loss of someone that he loved. But Jesus made a promise to Mary. You know what he said? Jesus tells her, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. But listen to the promise that Jesus made. He said, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Jesus said to her, if you believe in me and trust in me, you'll live again in a real physical, actual place. And then he asked her a question. He said, Mary, do you believe this? It's a great question. Every single one of us have to settle that and we have to answer that in our own personal lives. When Jesus says, there's a real physical place and the only way to get there is through me. Do you believe that? Mary had to answer that for herself. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I've been checking out this whole Christianity thing. I've been checking out you guys. I've been coming to your church. Maybe I've been to a small group of Bible study. I've just kind of been kicking the tires of this whole deal. I've had a whole lot of questions. Listen, I I believe that today can be a day that you settle that question once and for all. And you, you claim the promise that the death of Jesus Christ was to forgive your faults and failures and flaws and all of your sins. So again, Jesus makes the promise that heaven is an actual place. He says, my father's house has many rooms. Like I said there, the, the word for room is topos. It's a, it, it's a, a literal location. And according to Jesus, who came from heaven who went back to heaven, he says it's a real, it's a physical place. Listen, scripture consistently describes heaven in in, in very earthly terms. Jesus talks about a a heavenly city. He talks about walls and streets and rivers and people and animals. You know there's gonna be animals in heaven? There won't be any cats there, but there'll be animals. (laughs) 
I'm just kidding. Some of you are already writing out mean emails to me. It's a real place. You know what Jesus' favorite description of heaven was? He calls it my father's house. I love that. It's a very endearing phrase. Jesus says, my father's house. Those of you who grew up in a loving home, a loving environment, you know it's a a great thing to be able to go back to your father's house. I grew up in a house outside of Atlanta. Actually, it's this house on the screen behind me. That's where I grew up. My parents don't live there anymore. They live in Florida now, but that's where I grew up. That's my father's house. And whenever I go visit in metro Atlanta area and I have some time, I like to drive over to Lilburn, Georgia, and I like to go by my father's house because I, I have lots of great memories from my father's house. My dad and I had a, a great relationship and I've got lots of great memories. My, my dad and I share a love for sports and especially Tennessee sports. When my dad would come home from work, he would take his suit coat off, he would lay it in the house and he would come out in that very front yard and we'd throw a baseball or we'd throw a football or we'd shoot baskets together. My dad would take me to see the Atlanta Braves play. He'd look through my baseball card collection with me. At least five nights a week, my my family would sit down and we would have a a family dinner together and my mom would cook and we'd all eat together in my father's house. Over dinner, my dad would say to me and my siblings, how's school going? How are your friends? He'd ask me about girls and I never want to talk about that at the dinner table. We did yard work together. We'd have family devotion time in my father's house. My dad invested in my life all throughout my middle school and high school as I played sports. My dad was always up in the stands watching my first college basketball game that I played in. My dad drove six hours each direction to see me in my very first game. He was always there supporting me. My dad taught me how to preach and to teach God's word. And and I made some poor decisions growing up. I've made poor decisions as an adult, but there's always been love. There's always been acceptance in my father's house. First John three, verse number one. So see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. The word lavish literally means spilling over. We've got a heavenly father that has dumped out his love on us and he's got a place waiting for us. It's the father's house. Now the father's house is a comfort to me, but I realized that not everybody had a dad like I did. And, and I realize that some of you right now are saying, you know what, Randy, those words don't mean the same thing to me that they do to you. Had a father that was absent, or my father was abusive, or my father uh, was physically distant. And if that's you, I believe with all of my heart that the Heavenly Father is saying to you today, I'm so glad you're here. Because you may not have had an earthly father that lived or acted like he should have, but you've got a Heavenly Father that loves you, and he invites you today to the Father's house. And he wants you to come home. Come home to a place of grace. So heaven's an actual place. Notice number two. Not only is it an actual place, but Jesus has been preparing heaven. I love this. 
Jesus has been preparing heaven. It's been prepared by Jesus for you. Look at what he says. He says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Jesus was a carpenter. And he's been up there working on heaven, preparing it, getting it ready for you. We live here in a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. I love living here, loving in the Chattanooga, Ottawa, Cleveland, uh, North Georgia area. I love living here. And it was crazy to me, I was thinking as I was preparing this message, we live in a beautiful part of the country and people actually come and vacation where we live. It's just crazy to think about it. But I've had incredible opportunities in my life to see the world that God has created. I've been numerous times on safaris in Africa and seen the amazing animals that God has made. I've been spearfishing in the Caribbean. Last summer, I took my family to, to, to out west and we saw just the, so many Grand Canyons, so many incredible things. And I know many of you, you've seen God's incredible world that he's made. Let me ask you, what we can see here on this planet, how long did it take God to make that? Just think about it. You got it, six days. Everything that we see here, this amazing, beautiful planet took God six days. And he's been working on our home in heaven for more than 2,000 years. This world pales in comparison to what God has in store for us in heaven. Look at what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Jesus has got a place that he's working on. He's preparing for us. And he he says this. He says, I can't wait till you get here because it's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your socks off. It's not something you've ever seen, not something you've ever heard about. As a matter of fact, it's better than anything you could even dream up in your head. It's a physical, actual place. It's an amazing place. Jesus has been working on it. Notice number three. Jesus left the promise of heaven to his followers. To everyone that follows after him, Jesus left the promise of heaven. He says, I will come back and take you to be with me. Beyond the the sheer beauty of heaven. Not only is it going to be a beautiful place, we're going to get to see Jesus face to face. You ever thought about that? We're going to get to see him face to face. I've always wondered what he looks like. Artists have tried to draw pictures and imagine what they think Jesus looks like. But we're going to get to see him face to face. I've often wondered, how will I know which one is Jesus when I get to heaven? But I think you'll know him. I think you'll recognize him. Do you remember when Jesus rose from the dead, he was in his glorified, resurrected body? And he still had the the wounds from being crucified. He still had the nail piercings in his hands. And they recognize him. I think he's going to have those probably for all of eternity as a constant reminder to us of what it took for Jesus to be able to bring us to the Father's house. We'll know him. We'll get to see him. He's got a place that he's promised to us. So how do you get there? Well, in this chapter, Thomas asked the question, doubting Thomas, he asked the question, he said, Lord, all this that you've been talking about, it's great. I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be great. But Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. So how are we supposed to know how to get there? This is the first century. We don't have Google Maps. How, how are we supposed to get there? We haven't heard of Siri or Alexa yet. How do we get directions there, Jesus? Tell us. 
Let's, let's read Jesus' answer together. Would you do that with me? Let's just all read it together, what Jesus answered Thomas. Jesus answered, say this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, that's it. That's how you get there. That's where you're going. And he says, do you believe that? Do you believe that promise? It's absolute. Listen, there's no plan B. There's no option C. That's it. Jesus said, I'm it. If you want to get to the Father's house, you got to go through me. Listen, going to church is a great thing. I'm so glad you're here in church this morning. It's a great thing, but it's not going to get you into the Father's house. Doing kind things for people, it's great. Serving the poor, it's great. I'm glad that you do that, but it's not going to get you into the Father's house. Being a part of serve the city and all of those things, they're great, but they're not going to get you into heaven. Doing good works won't do it. You got to stake your life on something. And it doesn't matter, are you a religious person? Did you grow up in a Christian family or a non-Christian family? Did you go to church? Did you go to mass? Did you go to this? Did you go to that? that? That's not the question. The question is, have you placed your full faith in the promise that Jesus makes that he's the only way to get to heaven? There's something that I know about every single person in this room. One day you will take your last breath. And when that happens, you've got to know the way. You can't just wing it. You can't just hope that it's all going to turn out. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father's house except through me. That is a promise and it's absolute. And if you're not sure of that in your own personal life, point number four is so important. Number four, Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. He's it. There's no option B. Heaven is the promise and Jesus is the path. When Jesus died, he paid for the sin of the entire world. And when he was raised, he said, I'm going to give eternal life to anyone that's willing and humble enough to ask for it. Have you asked? Have you claimed that promise? Do you you remember Luke's description of the crucifixion? Luke is describing it for us in the New Testament. Jesus is hanging there on the cross. There's a thief that was crucified next to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that the thief cried out to Jesus and said, save me. I believe in you. And what does Jesus say to him? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. What was Jesus saying? You got to go with me. There's there's no other way. There's no other options. If you're going to get into the Father's house, you got to come with me. Have you ever tried to get into some place that you weren't supposed to be? You ever done that? Maybe as a teenager, as a kid, you tried to sneak in someplace. You tried to get into a concert or get into a ball game or get someplace that you weren't supposed to be. You try to sneak in. You got to be with the right person. Years ago, I, I told you earlier, seven years ago, my son and I went on the baseball trip that we went on. We got to Yankee Stadium, so excited. I wanted to show my son uh, the Monument Park out there in center field. But we got to the game a little bit late, and so we rushed out there, and as soon as we got to Monument Park, they closed it. I was so discouraged. We'd come all this way, all the way from Tennessee, wanted my son to see this, and it was closed. So we're kind of discouraged, dejected. We're walking back to our seats, and a guy that worked for the Yankees came past us, 
And he noticed what was kind of going on. He said, hey, what's, what's going on? And I said, man, we've come all the way from Tennessee. I wanted my son to see Monument Park. He said, come with me. Come with me. He takes us back out to Monument Park. There's a guard there. The doors are locked. He pulls out a key. He unlocks the door. And he says to the guard that's there, they're with me. They're with me. The guy doesn't say anything. We go in. We go all the way through there. We take pictures. It was a great experience. Just the two of us in there. So we're leaving there. And we're, I'm thinking we're going back to our seats. And he says, come with me. He takes us underneath the stadium. We're down there where they're getting ready to have the, the color guard come out before the game with the flags and all that. We're under there. And every time we would pass someone that was a security officer or somebody, he would just say, they're with me. They're with me. After a while, my chest got a little bigger. You know, I'd walk around. I'm, it's okay for me to be down here. But everywhere that we went underneath Yankee Stadium, it was the coolest experience we had never gotten to do on our own. But everywhere we went, the guy would say, they're with me. And we got to do something that we wouldn't have ordinarily done if we hadn't been with this guy. A while back, my wife and I were in Nashville. We met a guy by the name of Bill that works for WSM AM 650. It's the, the radio station that does the Grand Ole Opry. And we're talking to this guy, and he says that he can get us backstage at the Grand Ole Opry. I thought that was going to be the coolest thing. And so we pull into the parking lot. Most normal people got to go this way, but there's a security shack that takes you to the back of the Grand Ole Opry. And so we're following him. And he says to the guy at the security shack, people behind me are with me. So I pull up. He says, you're with him. I said, yes. We go on to the back. We go back in. My wife and I go back into the artist entrance. We walk past security and the guy says, they're with me. Again, my, my head's getting big. My chest puffing out. We're with him. Everywhere we go backstage, he keeps saying to me, stay with me, stay with me. And everybody that we would talk to, he would say, they're with me. And we got to do some really cool things, meet some great people, get some pictures made, all because of who we were with. And I believe one day, I'm going to get to heaven. And I'm going to meet Jesus. And I believe he's going to take me to the Father. And he's going to say, this is Randy. He doesn't deserve to be here. Nothing he's done on his own would warrant getting him in here. He doesn't deserve to be here. But he's with me. He's with me. And he accepted what I did for him on the cross. And I believe God the Father is going to say, come on in. You're with my son. Well, then come on in. Because of whom I'm with. You've got to be able to point to a moment in your life where you said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's son. You're the savior. Come into my life and save me. You got to be able to point to a moment in your life where you accepted him. You can claim that promise today. It's called faith. Here's the last thing and I'm done. You are personally invited to heaven. That ought to put a smile on your face. You, you and you and you and you and you, you're personally invited to heaven. There's something special about getting a personal invitation, isn't it? You get those things in the mail that says, dear neighbor or dear customer. Those go right into my trash can. But I get one that says my name on it, especially maybe one that's kind of engraved or embossed on there and I open it up and it's got my name. It's, it's a personal invitation. I open those up. What does a personal invitation do? It says, we have prepared for you. 
We prepared for you to be here. We, we've made all the arrangements in advance. You just need to confirm that you're coming. That's what a personal invitation is. We just need an RSVP from you. And God has done that for you. He's given you a personal invitation. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's personal invitation to you. Have you accepted that? A lot of times when I ask that question, have you ever accepted Jesus' personal gift and a person says no? I have to say, what's holding you back? Well, what are you waiting on? Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's the gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done, so none of us can boast about it. It's a free gift. It's something we can never get on our own. John Gilbert grew up in Paradise, California. It's a real place, Paradise, California. At the age of five, John was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy. It was a debilitating disease. It eventually took his ability to walk and speak and eventually took his ability to breathe on his own. One year, the National Football League did, hosted a, a, a huge fundraiser auction and all the benefits would go to benefit muscular dystrophy research. They invited John Gilbert to be the guest of honor at this huge event. His mom wheeled him in in his wheelchair there. They were looking around at all the things that would be auctioned off for this event. And one thing caught his eye. It was a basketball that was signed by all the players from the Sacramento Kings. He just had his eye on that and thought it was so cool. He'd never been a part of an auction before, so he didn't really understand how it all worked, that he'd have to pay for something if he wanted. So the auction began and the ball went up for auction. And as soon as the auctioneer set out a number, John threw his hand up in the air. Well, his mom realized we can't pay for this. So she grabs his arm and she pulls it down, kind of hoping that nobody else in the room saw what he did, but they did. The numbers started going up and the price for the ball was getting higher and higher and higher. Until eventually one guy in the room called out a price that nobody else could match. Nobody else could touch it and he won the ball. He walked up to the front and he claimed his prize that he had purchased. And rather than walking back to his seat with the basketball, he stopped at John's table. And this ball that he'd paid all of this money for, he placed into the feeble hands of John Gilbert's. And he received a gift that he could have never, ever, ever gotten on his own. The room erupted in applause. Grown men were wiping tears from their eyes. As John received a gift that he could have never, ever gotten on his own. God's done that for you. He's got a free gift that you could never, ever, ever in a million years pay for on your own. But it's free if you'll receive it. You've just got to reach out and take it. You've got to RSVP to his invitation. Maybe you say, I, I can't point to a moment when I asked Jesus to be my savior. I, I can't think of an exact time when I did that. I'll, I've always believed in God 
I've gone to church, I've done some good things, but I, I, I can't think of a moment when I did that. I can't think of a time when I, I turned my life over to Jesus. I'm gonna invite you to do that right now with me. So I wanna ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes, just right where you are. When I was 11 years old, I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, God, I'm a savior, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. Please come into my life and save me. And at the age of 11, God did that. He saved me and forgave me of my sin. And if you're not 100% sure right now that Jesus is your savior and heaven is your home someday, I wanna invite you to take care of it right now. You can do it right here, right where you're sitting. So I'm gonna invite you to pray a prayer. You can pray it in your own words. You can repeat after me if you'd like to. But I wanna invite you to take care of the most important thing that you'll ever take care of. I want you to pray something like this. Dear God, thank you for this amazing promise. The promise of salvation through faith in Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. Forgive my sin. Right now, I turn from my sin and I turn to Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were raised from the dead. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.